You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor of Independent. Uh, before we move on to our set, I want to encourage listeners who do so to generously support this station. You, you can call 212-209-2950. It's you, our listeners, that keep community radio beaming here in New York. Again, that number is 212-209-2950, or you can go to the WBAI, or you can go to give number two, WBAI.org. And when you go there, you can make a one-time donation, or you can sign up to become a WBAI buddy for as little as $10 per month, get all sorts of great benefits, and help support this station. Alrighty, so moving into our next segment, um, Imani Oakley has witnessed the machinations of the New York of the New Jersey Democratic Party machine from inside as a young legislative staffer, and she fought it from the outside as a policy director for the New Jersey Working Families Party. Earlier today, Oakley announced she is running for Congress in New Jersey's 10th congressional district, which encompasses uh, Newark, just over on the other side of the Hudson River. And the primary won't be until next June, but running for Congress is a big undertaking, and Oakley in her race is taking on one of the New Jersey machine's dynastic heirs, Donald Payne Jr., who inherited the seat from his father in 2002. We're going to find out more about why she's uh, running and what she hopes to accomplish if she reaches Congress. Imani, thank you for joining us uh, this evening on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Right. So uh, uh, how does it feel to to make it official today and, and, and be in this race for Congress that you're going to be running for the next 11 months? No, it feels really, really good. I mean, the energy today was incredible. I had, you know, family members supporting, friends, um, old classmates I haven't seen, you know, since high school supporting. I actually had, I spoke to uh, one of my middle school teachers today who was just, my middle school math teacher was ecstatic um, that I'm doing this. So it, the energy was amazing. The progressive community really, really was supportive. And, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about this. And, and why are you running? Why why do you think that the 10th district uh, needs new representation? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a person that truly, truly believes that if we are going to fix the problems in this country, we are going to have to commit extremely to our values and become active fighters against unjust systems in all forms. And in my opinion, um, entering the halls of government is a great way to do that because governments can take long lasting and permanent actions that lead to sustained change. And listen, you know, I've experienced a lifetime of the stress that comes with fighting uh, these pervasive systems like racism and, and capitalism and sexism. And I, I really became intimately acquainted with what it feels like to fight against relentless power when I decided to take on New Jersey's corrupt political machine. And so, you know, when you take on a political machine like that, um, you get isolated, you get painted in a poor light. And through this, however, I've always been able to find the strength and the fuel needed to keep fighting for what I knew was right in all of those situations and for the people that I knew who were being left behind. Because in New Jersey specifically, we have all been left behind by corrupt party bosses who have literally manufactured a democracy. Um, and we can talk more about New Jersey's ballot design, you know, hopefully if we get to that in the program, but they've literally manufactured a democracy 
in which they always win. And the people of our communities, people who are working class, people of color, marginalized communities, perpetually lose to corporate interests, to greedy developers, to ICE agents, and so many other ills that are empowered by these party bosses. And again, in New Jersey, we have been stripped of our right of a true democracy. And through that, we've been stripped of our power by these self-interested politicians who merely see our communities as these financial and political playgrounds. And they are infinitely much, much more than that. And so, you know, I'm hoping to come bring the Progressive Coalition together in New Jersey and fight against these corrupt politicians and their Tammany Hall style of politics. Um, and I'm looking forward to winning in June. And, and you're running on a platform uh, that emphasizes uh, things like the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, or reducing the military budget. Uh, why do you think that would be popular when a lot of people say, oh, um, uh, more Democratic voters want uh, a moderate candidate and especially uh, black voters in a district like yours. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, one of my major gripes when I was a political organizer was how much people misunderstand the black vote. Black voters, we vote for survival. Um, and sometimes survival may appear one way um, when it's actually another. You know, for example, sometimes survival may look like holding back a little bit and saying like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can't have that policy. Um, sometimes survival can appear that way. But I think we're entering a new generation of Black voter, um, as well as, you know, some older Black voters. You know, my mom was a Bernie supporter. <laughs> I have aunts who are older in their 70s who are Bernie supporters who, you know, were really tired of just voting to survive. And we are really looking to vote to thrive so that our communities can thrive, so that we can, our families can thrive, that we can thrive as individuals. Um, I think that that is a bit of a um, kind of, uh, I think it's wrong that Black voters kind of are, are more conservative. I, I really don't think that. I think it's more about convincing Black voters that they are safe and that you are somebody who will fight for their interests and will fight for their survival. And now we're moving to an era where we want a little bit more than that. We want somebody who will fight so that we can, uh, so we can actually flourish. And so I, I disagree wholeheartedly with anybody who would say that, you know, black voters aren't ready for progressive ideals because, you know, black voters are certainly ready to have the lead removed from their waters. Um, black voters are certainly ready to stop having their homes foreclosed on uh, by greedy banks and lenders. Uh, black voters are certainly ready to stop seeing people picked up and uh, detained and deported by ICE agents. Black folks are ready for all of these things. And for those who say that we're not, you know, I, I wonder how many black people they actually interact with on a daily basis. I, I would love to do that study. So, so we are certainly ready for those types of policies. And those are the types of policies that I'll bring once I'm elected. And tell us about your opponent and, and why you think uh, five terms is a, enough for him. Yeah. So five terms, which equals out to a decade. Um, he really has done nothing but keep the seat warm. He has inherited his seat from his father. And for one, we should not have. Th this is Donald Payne Jr. Yes, that's correct. 
that's correct. Um, and he inherited his seat from his father, which again, political dynasties, we should not be having those. Nobody should have an, a seat. This isn't feudal Europe. No one should have a seat simply because a family member of theirs had it. Um, sat there for 10 years and, you know, just kept the seat warm. Um, introduced three bills, one of which was to rename a post office. Um, and even before he became a congressman, as a county commissioner, he was one of the original uh, politicians here in New Jersey to bring ICE contracts to New Jersey. And since getting in that congressional seat really has done nothing to fight back against the horrors of ICE happening in this country, which is really, really grossly offensive. Um, another thing that I find really, really particularly offensive, especially in a district like this, that really is a, a minority majority uh, district, is that when you are somebody who sits on the Homeland Security Committee, that is a committee that is going to be instrumental in fighting back against white supremacist violence in this country. For somebody to show up to that committee in their boxers, literally climbing out of bed, is a slap in the face for people in this country whose lives have literally been threatened by white supremacist violence since their birth. And for him to have a district that has a majority of people who fall into that category, you know, a congressman like that just does not need to be in office. And this district deserves a true fighter, which I think that's me. Um, again, I have worked extensively in the political space in New Jersey. I've worked on the federal level. I've worked in the state legislature. I've worked on the grassroots level. Um, I've seen New Jersey politics from every single angle. And I know how to fight the hard fights. And I suspect that the voters will see that and vote me in in June. And, and just to clarify for our listeners, uh, when you reference uh, the congressman uh, uh, wandering around in his boxers, that happened last month, uh, as you said, during a committee hearing where uh, I guess he didn't realize he had uh, his Zoom uh, video function on. And as, as you noted, he um, all of a sudden was uh, spotted in one of the boxes on the on the Zoom uh, uh, screen uh, uh, climbing out of bed in his boxers with a in a Captain America t-shirt and you, you can see sort of the astonished look on uh, some of the faces of his fellow committee members uh, who, who weren't expecting that um, and uh, speaking of, of Congress people I can you talk about uh, the squad and, and any inspiration they've provided for you and whether uh, that's a group uh, you would want to team up with if if you were elected to Congress? Oh yeah, that that entire group is an inspiration. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they really kind of, uh, you know, they're trailblazers on these type of insurgent campaigns. Um, AOC was is a person I still admire to this day, but certainly when she first won, she was the person who made me realize that, like, okay, me as a young leftist woman of color, I can actually do this. Um, so I have great, great admiration for AOC. I have great admiration for Cori Bush, who really, there's so many parallels between the race that I'm running and the race that she ran um, against Lacey Clay. And so, you know, I, I have great respect for her and what she did. Um, I have great, great respect for Rashida and Ilhan, who uh, really, really speak truth to power when it comes to issues surrounding Palestine. And that's something I greatly, greatly respect because as a black American, you know, seeing, I really sympathize with the Palestinian people because I 
see the horrors that they're being subjected to with regards to over uh, militarization of you know, both the actual military as well as police forces over there. Um, and it's time that we have voices in Congress like Rashida, like Ilhan, and like hopefully myself, who will really speak out against uh, the human rights abuses that are happening there. And so again, you know, the entire squad is really, and, and Jamal Bowman, he's also great. You know, I really love what he's doing around combating um, standardized testing. We absolutely need to get rid of those things. Um, it's just a, just really a test about how much your parents can afford to pay for test prep, uh, not a, any real measurement of your ability as a student. And so, yeah, the squad is a great, great inspiration to me. And I definitely look forward to working with them once I'm elected. And uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Movement School? That's a, uh, a place that you've been involved with uh, in recent times. And uh, I, I understand it's, uh, I guess, helped prepare you for, for some of the nuts and bolts of uh, running a grassroots campaign. Yeah, yeah. No, Movement School is a beautiful, beautiful place. I wish it was like my high school. Um, uh, So first I was a fellow. Um, I was a 2019 fellow during the summer 19 cohort where, and the overall uh, mission of Movement School is to take folks from marginalized backgrounds and teach them how to run progressive insurgent campaigns. Um, and the training is completely free because, again, we're looking to train folks from marginalized backgrounds, which typically means a lot. Of, we get a lot of working class folks, people who were not born into wealth or have an accumulated wealth, et cetera. Um, and they teach them how to run campaigns. And so first I was a fellow, which, you know, I was on the comms track. So that definitely prepared me uh, for some communication stuff. And then later I became the first dean of movement building there. I actually worked there which was really, really fulfilling because I got- We have about 30 more seconds. Oh, okay, no problem. I got to see, um, you know, students who had gone through the same training that I did and it was just beautiful to see. But ultimately the training is so top-notch. I, I definitely think it's something that has prepared me for this run today. Great. And and real quick, um, you, you want to let our listeners know where they can uh, uh, follow you and, and find out more information about your campaign as it unfolds? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website, Oakley for, that's F-O-R, congress.com. So oakleyforcongress.com. Or you can follow us on all social media on our handles at Imani Oakley NJ10. Again, that's at Imani Oakley NJ10. And when you go there, please, 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 if you can make a donation because okay. we have to raise money. Right. Alrighty. Well, uh, Imani Oakley launching her grassroots campaign for Congress uh, over in Newark today. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI this evening. Thank you so much. You have a great night. You too. Also, uh, listeners can find a a more in-depth interview with uh, Imani at independent.org.